Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 823. To keep going, you've got to be pretty on it. So, yeah, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Everyone thinks that it happens, you know, so you get handed things, but that's not true. You have to work really, really hard to do what we do. And it looks like fun because it is, but to get there, it takes a little while and a lot of grind. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in all the way from the UK, Tom Wookie Ford. Wookie, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I very much am, Mark. How are you? Are you all right? I'm doing great today, and I'm really excited about the debut of your guys' uh, new show coming up here. And uh, I want to let our audience know that uh, Tom Ford, known to his buddies and fans as Wookie, is the associate editor of BBC's Top Gear magazine, and he's one of the three hosts on the new BBC Top Gear America TV show that debuts this July 30th. He's formerly the road test editor of Car Magazine and writes, presents, and produces for a variety of forms of television, magazine, and newspapers, most of which are, of course, automotive-focused. From Channel 5's Fifth Gear to BBC America's Mud, Sweat, and Gears and BBC's Brit Motorheads, Wookiee is one of those entrepreneurs who, despite a lack of sleep, is inordinately happy about everything. I think you'll realize that as we talk today. (laughs) You'll usually find Wookiee somewhere in the world in a supercar, trying to keep it under control and trying to stop things from exploding with his co-hosts, William Fickner and Antron Brown. So, Wookie, I have told our listeners just a tiny bit about your life and what you do. Would you take a moment, share just a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles, and maybe tell us, how did you get that nickname, Wookie? Oh, that's a, that's a complicated story, but my name's Tom Ford. I'm, a, I'm provisionally a writer, but um, yeah, I write about cars, and I started doing TV work a few years ago, did a few different things, as you said and ended up on TV doing a, a variety of different things, all of which sort of I did and then did something else and then did something else. And I've ended up now being a kind of adventure writer for Top Gear. So I, I test new cars, but I also take them to strange and wonderful places and tend to work on the inappropriate side of things. So if you've got a Lamborghini that needs driving across a desert, that'll be me. I'm also presenting this new show, Top Gear America, with Bill, William, Fickner, and Anton Brown, my little buddy, and we've had a great time. We've just finished filming, and we're going to premiere on Sunday, 30th, and it's been a, a hell of a ride. I am uh, I never thought this would happen. From being a T-boy on Car Magazine and having to rewrite the internet, this was not something I saw happening in the near future, and it's happened. It's been really cool. It's a fun thing to do to be able to chase your dreams, and I'm getting to do it, so you'll see a big smile on my face whenever you see me because I laugh a lot about what's going on. Also, things tend to be on fire wherever I go, and there haven't been too many fires on Top Gear so far, so it's winning as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Well, I'll make sure that when I watch your debut, I bring my marshmallows with me so I can roast a few marshmallows on the TV set because I think this is going to be really, really fun. As we continue on your journey, 
I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that has some meaning in your life. And it's a nice way to get those inspirational tires smoking here on Cars. Yeah, because I think you like to smoke tires. So, Wookie, take the wheel. <laughs> uh, well, do you know what? My favorite quote, albeit a fairly, a fairly well-known one, is the harder I work, the luckier I get. Mm. It's all about the grind. If you if you keep going, you'll get where you need to be. And there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for actually just working on yourself. You know, trying to make yourself a bit better at what you do. I spent an awful long time, you know, trying to be an automotive journalist, and I found that the best way to do it, not being a racing driver or having all of those kind of easy advantages to being really good in a car, was to drive every single car that I could. So I drove everything from trucks, lorries, race cars, road cars, weird cars. I've driven pretty much everything, and therefore I can give you an opinion on it. I'm not a racing driver, but I have driven everything in every market, pretty much. And that's hard, hard to do. When Last year, I think there were over 300 new models launched in, in our little world. And just to keep up, you'd have to be driving a different car pretty much every day of the week. Yeah. And it's an exciting arena to be in but to keep going you've got to be pretty on it so yeah the harder i work the luckier i get everyone thinks that it happens you know so you get handed things but that's not true you have to work really really hard to do what we do and it looks like fun because it is but to get there it takes a little while and a lot of grind yeah, absolutely. I love that saying. I've always said that uh, luck is uh, a combination of preparation and seizing opportunity when it comes along. Sounds like exactly what you've done, but the fact that you've driven so many cool cars is absolutely spectacular. It's every car person's dream. I'm sure all my listeners out there right now are salivating at the fact that this guy drives a, car, a new car almost every day, something different. So there again, um, yeah, you figured out the secret sauce to life. But the real key, of course, is working hard. I'm glad you said that because it looks so easy when people look at other successful people and they don't see all the hard work that came before that. So I think that's great. Well, I want to go back in time and learn a little bit more about you. So share a story with me that instigated your path for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you look back that you realize that you're indeed one of us car guys? <laughs> yeah, we're a tribe, aren't we? We're a big, big, <laughs> amazing tribe. Yes. I've got, I mean, I'm massively into the broad church of cars. So I think we're all the same kind of people, but we just have different little streams of worship, if you know what I mean. But if we're like a lot of us, mine was from my dad. My dad had a lot of European cars. I mean, he was well into BMWs when I was a kid. And I remember just sitting there thinking he had a BMW 635 CSI Highline. And at the time, that was, that was the bomb. You know, mm-hmm. he, had, he had a lot of 7 Series, a lot of 5 Series, an M5. He wanted, he wanted a Ford Cosworth RS500, which I don't think you guys got in America. No. But um, we had some really cool cars when I was a child. But there was this 635 CSI. I remember it because it had a Blaupunk stereo that used to stick up on a wire. <laughs> it was like a primitive hands-free thing. I remember those. They looked like E.T. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 And it had a graphic equalizer on it. Now, a graphic equalizer dates it even then. But it was this sleek, long-nosed, thin-pillared, you know, it was a 2 plus 2 in champagne gold. I can't remember the code, the code of the, the color, but it was a beautiful car. And me and my dad used to just go out driving in it. And when you're a kid, 
when you hang out with your dad, you relate those special moments to the car. Yeah. You just can't help it. I remember the smell of the leather, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it gets in the back of your mind. And I remember him buying, he's not sexist, but my dad used to buy my mum hot hatches because he wanted them, but <laughs> wouldn't drive a hot hatch. <laughs> so we had Golf GTIs and Renault 5 GT turbos. Again, you got Golf GTIs over in the States, but we had really small, very powerful turbocharged hatches like Renault 5 GT turbos. Oh, yeah. Were great for British roads, which were a bit smaller than American roads, a lot twistier in a, in a lot of places in the UK. Yeah. And um, we had some cracking cars. And my dad and I, we, I always used to associate having a good time in a car with my papa. Yeah. And that kind of stuck with me. And then when I got older, he didn't want me to have a motorcycle because we lived in the countryside. Mm. And he basically said to me, if I didn't buy a motorbike, he'd insure my car. Now in the UK, getting insurance is massive when you're young. It, it costs as much as the vehicle sometimes. Right. So of course, the option of having a motorbike or being able to take my mates out in a car was a no-brainer really. And he ended up, we bought Land Rovers. So I had very, very old Land Rovers. And again, that started off a little obsession because they were cars I could work on. And as soon as you've got cars you can work on that are a bit rubbish, you start <laughs> having to fix things to be able to get to the party that yes, you want to go to. I understand, yeah. Yeah, we've all had that beta when you were a kid that you had to, you know, you had to hit the starter motor with a hammer or something yeah. to get you to that party you wanted to go to. And that's where playing with cars, uh, messing with cars, you know, all my friends had cars. It becomes a lifestyle, not just a thing that you're into. They're not just means of transport. They're part of your soul. So, yeah, it comes from my dad. Oh, yeah. What wonderful stories. Yeah, I remember going to pick up a date once, and I walked into her house, and her father said, why is there a bunch of dirt and gravel on your back? And I went, oh, I had to fix my brakes before I came over here <laughs> to pick up your daughter. And he looked at me, he goes, why don't you take my car? <laughs> no, it's because you didn't learn the trick of taking the floor mats out when you had to get on the floor. Oh, man. Where were you when I needed you? <laughs> yeah, you carry a spare set of floor mats so that when you inevitably have to lie on the floor to fix something. <laughs> also, um, wire coat hangers and gaffer tape. Ah, yes. That's been nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, now I know. Of course, now I can afford cars I don't have to fix all the time. But, uh, I'll no, t- but now you need a computer. Now you need an ODB port and a load of diagnostic equipment. That's the problem. I know. I went to a garage the other day to, to mess with my Mustang. I've got a Mustang, by the way. Oh, cool. And um, they don't even pop the bonnet anymore. They plug it in. Uh-huh. That's the first thing they do. Yeah. And it drives me insane. <laughs> I want someone with dirt under their fingernails and a big spanner to come and hit my car. <laughs> I understand what... <laughs> Otherwise, stop it. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Well... Let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. You're you're very much an entrepreneur. You've done all sorts of different things, and I'm sure what comes with that might be a challenge or a failure along the way. So take us to a point in time when you face something like that. Walk us through that painful moment. Of course, the most important part of those kinds of experiences, like learning you should have a spare set of floor mats in your car to work on them, <laughs> is how you overcame that situation and what did it teach you. So kind of take us there and tell us how that experience help you gain even more momentum in your career and your business? Well, back in, back in the day when I wanted to be a car journalist, I decided what I wanted to do. But it's, like, it's a little bit like, I assume, being an actor, that you have to go and it's a very small and specialized industry, and the people that go into it don't leave. You know, you can be a car journalist for years and years and years, 
And the problem that I found was that everybody that was an automotive journalist in my industry didn't want to go anywhere. So it wasn't a job with a high turnover. Mm. And you had to be fairly talented to get noticed or you had to have something different. And I applied for loads of jobs. And I mean jobs on magazines that I didn't really want to work on. I was young, but into the more progressive kind of modifying, tried to get magazine work on on modified car mags. Because at the time when I was starting work here, there was a magazine called Max Power which was a tuning magazine, but it was one of the biggest in publishing history. It was absolutely enormous. It was, it was a, a cultural thing, and they did a lot of cruising and all that kind of stuff. Couldn't get on that. Couldn't get on any of the other magazines. And I just learned to be... I learned that you can't... You, to get where you need to be, you have to improve yourself. So I, I, I'd failed so much that I took a year out and went and lived in France and uh, ran a ski chalet and snowboarded and got my basically got my arsing gear and came back with a bit of renewed vigor i needed to to get away a little bit yeah and to have headspace when you want to move forward feels like you're stalling but i actually think that's really worth something if you can get away from the things that are the everyday stuff because i saw a lot of my friends do that thing of they got a job just a temporary job just for a bit they started earning some money or it felt like they were earning some money and then they forgot about the big dream. Mm. And I got away from the stuff that was, I didn't have any money, but I got away from the the normal pressures, took a little bit of time, figured out my game plan. And then I came back and really hit it. And when I came back, I just did not stop until I got where I wanted to be. And where I wanted to be happened to be making an awful lot of coffee (laughs) and being a dog's body. Yeah. But that foot in the door was all I needed. That was the ice axe in the wall and that gave me that one bit. And I, I, I dogged it. I just basically did everything that nobody wanted to do. So it's trite and it's a bit well used, but never giving up and just giving yourself the headspace to figure out exactly what you want to do. Have a plan and don't, don't start to, to falter because as soon as you falter, I think you take an easier option and the easier option sometimes is just to fall back on what you know. Right. And I, I could very easily have been something else, but I kept at it and there was some pretty horrible bit, you know, when you're living in a, I used to live in a bed sit in Nottingham and there was a lot of people on drugs around me and I, you just sit there and go, you know what? I don't want to be like this. I want to be something else. Yeah. And I always knew I would be, wasn't entirely sure what I was going to be though. Apart from it was going to be writing about cars, but there's quite a few streams of that. And I was lucky enough to get a job. There's a guy called Greg Fountain, who was uh, the editor of Car at the time. And Car was actually my five-year plan. And my first job in automotive was working on Car. Wow! And I've never looked back. You know, this you have so many golden nuggets in this this part of our discussion, and that's why this is the best part. I think is talking about those challenges. But I love a couple pieces of this. One is, of course, working really hard and focused. The other, though, is taking some time off. And even if you, uh, it's like taking vacations. You know, you think, oh, I'm wasting my time taking a vacation because everyone's going to be still going forward and I'm going to be off playing. It really does clear your mind and it helps you see things in a different perspective. And I love the fact that you took that year off. Of course, you went to a beautiful place to go ski in France. That was a pretty good choice. Yeah, I think that's fifty bucks a week, though, man. Well, I know, yeah, it doesn't pay that much, but but you know, it got you in a way to where you are today. So wonderful story, wonderful advice for those folks out there struggling. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career 
aha moment. And you might be in that right now with your uh, your activities with the new BBC Top Gear America show. So tell us about a time when you kind of saw those headlights coming on and they kind of cleared away for a new direction in your career. Well, I'll tell you what, it was actually up a mountain. And I think I was a bit drunk. And it was back in that time when I was, uh, I was actually, a, you know, I was a chalet maid, you know, doing chalet maybe things like cooking dinners and cleaning bedrooms. And I certainly realized that the three things I loved more than anything were writing, cars, and seeing new stuff. So I looked at what the possible jobs were and realized that there was a, a space in the automotive industry for car adventures. And at the time, there were two types of magazines. There were the ones that just tested cars and, and the ones that had more feature-based stuff. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was going to be a feature-based journalist. And when you decide on a very narrow focus, it makes everything easier. If you're in a creative industry, I think you need time to be bored enough to sift through what you really want to do. Yep. And being up that mountain, I remember sitting on that mountain on a snowboard going, yep, that's it. It was a real light bulb moment. And I basically came back down and applied straight away for a postgraduate degree in uh, periodical journalism. And even when I got on that course, there were people who just wanted to be journalists in a very vague sense. They didn't know what the hell they wanted to be. I was very focused. And then I ended up getting work experience at Top Gear. Now, a job came up while I was at work experience on Top Gear, and they told me, they told me I was too crazy to get a job at Top Gear. (laughs) So I didn't get the job. And the interesting thing was, you'd think that had knocked me back, but I just went, no, I know my brand of crazy. And my brand of crazy isn't as, it's not as stupid as people think. Like, and now I'm fairly well known for doing the job that people, nobody else will do. So I've driven Fiat Pandas up Mount Etna. I've driven an aerial atom, which is basically like a, a track car to the Arctic Circle. Oh, yeah. I've driven across Iceland several times. I've done, I did, I've, you know, I've driven Lamborghinis across. I've been off-roading in Lamborghinis. You know, recently I went hunting a meteor shower across Arizona. Um, I'm taking my a truck that I've built for Mitsubishi is on a boat right now for me to go and drive up the world's biggest sand dune across, and drive across Namibia. I've driven armored cars across the Negev Desert in Israel. This kind of stuff is it, it, it's mind-expanding. It's fantastic, and I get paid for it. Yeah. And that guy that told me that I was a bit too mental for a job, I just, I, well, thank you to him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know his name, but I'm not going to say it. But thank you, because it worked for me. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm sitting here going, holy cow. Here's a guy who, and I love that quote. I'm going to keep that quote. Know your brand of crazy. That's awesome. And the fact that you get to do yeah, all the yeah all the crazy things you do, it, it is so spectacular. And yeah, sometimes people tell us, no, you can't do things. And sometimes you need to just ignore those people because... Uh, Look at all of the entrepreneurs. Yeah. Look yeah. at all of them. Every single one has a feeling that they've got something. Yeah. That they know that they've figured it out and that they can push it. And, and they commit to it. And you've got to commit. Yes. You can't sit on nothing. You don't have adventures on your sofa, Mark. <laughs> no. That's Most, no, definitely it's on a sand dune in Nibia. That's the place to go have an adventure. Yeah. You uh, might die out there, but still, it'll be an adventurous death. That's yes. all you've got to work out. There you go. There you go. Well, I would assume you've had many proud moments in your career, things that really stood out for you. But is there one that really stands out you would share with us today? Uh, I mean, there's been a few. I'm, I'm always proud when, because a lot of the things that I do take a lot of planning. 
There's a lot of backstory. There's a lot of pitching. There's a lot of working out. Because obviously, working for the BBC, the risk assessment people are very good friends of mine. And they're always trying to work out how I'm going to try and kill myself this week. <laughs> so any of the bigger adventures that come off, because the trouble is when something goes wrong, my immediate thought is this is great for the story. So the trouble is I like to get into trouble. And everybody knows that. So there's usually something on fire. There's usually a car broken. But I'm always proud. Do you know the best thing ever? And this sounds really weird because we're talking about a TV show I've just done. I love the written word. I've always loved writing. And my proudest moment is when I have a new magazine that I crack open and I can read a feature that I've written with the photography. And I get to work with some of the best photographers in the world. And when the photographer and I have gone out as a team and produced a piece of work that completely complements each other, that's when I get, I get really into it. That's what I live for. I'm going to make a mental note here. Never loan your car to Wookie because it'll end up broken and on fire. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep my garage door <laughs> locked when you, when you come to visit me here at my house. So for sure. Well, but I'll tell you now, it will never have curved wheels. <laughs> it will never, ever have curved wheels. I will roll it and write it off rather than curb the alloy wheels. That's wow. all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, I'll hold you to that. Holy cow. Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, let's have a little bit more fun here as if we're not already. What was your first really special car? That first car you got that was had some great meaning to you and maybe share a memory you have with that vehicle. Oh, my first car. Has to be. So my dad didn't want me to have a motorbike. But we bought together a Series 2A Land Rover in fire engine red. And the first thing, it was rubbish. It was absolutely rubbish, but it was slow. I think my father had a plan here. Yeah. Um, it was very slow and uh, built like a tank. And the first thing we ever did, not knowing much about engineering, was remove the engine and uh, put a new engine in it. Unfortunately, we wired the, the headlights wrong, which melted the flexible diesel lines, sprayed diesel all over a hot block, Uh-oh. which caught fire. And my parents had had a new tarmac drive made the week before, and it was on a hill. And my car managed to burn itself out. And not only did it burn itself out, it basically leaked burning diesel onto a brand new tarmac drive and melted channel all the way down my parents' drive. It took four four fire engines to put it out. Oh, my gosh. And my sister, cleverly and helpfully, saw smoke coming from under the bonnet. So opened the bonnet and left it open to have a look at what was happening, which actually led to the whole car burning itself to the ground. Of course, yeah. Um, Yeah, that was a special car. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So this is the beginning of the Wookiee fire life. (laughs) Yes, basically that's everything that's to fire. And then my second one was a Series 3 Land Rover, an 88-inch short wheelbase. And that was just a a beautiful car. But because I was a student, it was a a two-and-a-quarter petrol. It did 12 miles to the gallon. And I couldn't afford to run it, so I had to sell it when I needed to some money to go to university. Yeah. So cars have always been a part of my life, but they've you know sometimes they get sacrificed because <laughs> real life happens. You know what I mean? Sometimes they get sacrificed. There's another quote from Wookie that I can add to my list. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. <laughs> well, how about a car you've owned that you've let go? All of us have a seller's remorse story. Is there one in your life? Uh, I, do you know what? It was about three or four years ago. I bought. A Jaguar XJ 3.6 Sport, an, an older one. And it was just the nicest, straightest car. Uh, a guy had had it in an underground car park in London. It would never done that many miles. It was, it was completely bone dry. And over here, we salt the roads. So cars tend to rust 
they get really bad rust. And these XJs were always a bit rusty. Yeah. This one was completely straight, and it was a beautiful car. Never broke down, ever. When I picked it up, it had absolutely no oil in it and still ran. Wow. So I could feel the whole car sigh with relief when I filled it up with oil. <laughs> it was just like, the whole car just went... Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank, thank, you, thank you. Yeah, to have a Jaguar that never breaks down, you had a rare car there. Uh, for those old ones, they they were a little bit challenged. Wow. Well, good memories, good memories. But what I want to talk next about is what's going on today. And I know there's certain things you can't share about what's coming up with the new BBC Top Gear America series. But what can you share? What are maybe some things you can talk about your buddy Bill and Antron that are co-hosting with the show that can get some of my listeners really, <laughs> really excited and fired up for what's coming up here on July 30th? Uh, well, uh, we'll start with Antron. Who, uh, it's worth pointing out that I'm a month older than Antron, so technically I am his boss. <laughs> and he is possibly the most polite and wonderful human being I've ever met in my life. And he is a little dude from New Jersey, and he'll hate me saying that. <laughs> and I'm this big, weird guy from Stamford in Lincolnshire in the UK. And on paper, we shouldn't get on, but I, I bloody adore him. He's just the nicest man. We went to see him drag racing at the NHRA and obviously he's a bit of a rock star when he's at the top fuel races yeah. and that man sat there for two and a half hours signing autographs for kids there was a line around the block and he sat there and he had a picture taken and he signed everybody's stuff until they were all finished Wow! and my respect for him went through the roof he's, but do you know what he's not putting it on he doesn't put it on uh-huh. it is absolutely who he is He's thankful. He likes God. Very family orientated. <laughs> he's a proper car head. He's, not, he's, a, he's basically, he's not like me. He's basically an engineer because the way they build their engines, the way they go about things very scientifically, he's more engineering side than I am. But he's, he's mad passionate and we get on so well. He's an idiot and I'm a better driver than him. <laughs> and it's worth pointing out that he taught me how to drag race and I beat him twice. And he hates it. Ouch. He hates it. So if we can please put it out that I've beaten Antron Brown at drag racing far and wide, it will be my proudest thing. It was possibly my proudest thing of the whole series was I beat him twice in junior drag racing. Of course, now he won't come on the show and be a guest of mine. You've totally blown it for me, Wookie. Thanks so a lot. he will. Write a reply. Write a reply. Tell him he's got to reply to my, to my lies. There you go. Because it will drive me. And then Bill, um, what I don't think a lot of people know about Bill is that he is one of the most generous, and the, I thought that put three people together and we won't like each other. It's not going to work. You'll never get the chemistry, and chemistry is the thing that's important on telly. Right. And we right. did a screen test together, and we'd been, we'd been chemistry testing. I don't think the BBC want me to tell you this, but the, we'd been screen testing lots of different people. Mm-hmm. And there there's a big gang of, of guys there, and we did – it was the last one of the day, and it was me, Bill, and Antron – and within five minutes of being together, we said, well, if they're not doing it, I don't want to do it. Uh-huh. Bill apparently turned around to the showrunner and said, that's the show. We're going to do it like that. And that's, that's who we've got to do it with. And Bill is, he's, he's taught me an awful lot, you know, about, I've been a TV presenter for a while, but Bill teaches, has taught me about being still, about maybe raising an eyebrow and not constantly talking crap. Mm. And, do you know mm. what? He's right. It's quite effective. And if you listen to these people you're with, and in their, in their respective you know, endeavors, those two boys are top of their game. Yeah. You, um, you learn an awful lot. And the other thing is we, we laugh. 
all the time. And any friendship is based on laughing at and with each other. And honestly, we've pissed ourselves laughing more than we've <laughs> Bill will take a joke better than anyone you know, but he will look cool doing it. Yeah. He is the coolest man I think I've ever met. And I can't stop watching him. He's just fascinating. He's also massively into sort of 60s and 70s Mopar. And I don't think people realize this, but he's big into 60s and 70s Mopar. I'm trying to educate him that modern cars can be good too. <laughs> and he is having none of it. None of it. It basically if it isn't a pushrod V8. He's not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gently convincing him. I think, you know, and this, a G, an R35 Skyline is his bet noir. He hates that kind of stuff. Mm. He appreciates it, but it's not his vibe. He's got a Plymouth Superbird that he had when he was a kid, and he bought back later when he made some money. Oh, wow. And it's the most beautiful car. Yeah, it's a really good story. If you get him on, get him to talk about it, because it's, it's a wicked story. His parents sold it out from under him because he got too many speeding tickets. <laughs> and then later in life, he bought it back. Yeah. And it's wicked. So, yeah, he, he covers the older stuff, and is handsome and has beautiful hair. Also, he's got a six-pack. It's wow. weird. He's got, he looks after himself, that boy. He's had a good time. It sounds like a wonderful uh, pairing up of a group of guys that are into cars and having fun, and that's what uh, any good show is all about. And I love the fact that Antron is an engineer. He makes stuff work, and you break it. So there's why you guys get together yeah. so well. <laughs> That's exactly right. He called me a crash test to me. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just say, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Wookie. If you were a car, what kind of car would Wookie be and why? Uh, it's going to be back to Land Rovers, isn't it? Um, Land Rovers, probably. They can do a little bit of everything. Uh-huh. And you could cope with it for a while. And I don't know. Land Rovers just speak of solidity and grind to me. And I'm all about the grind. Yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't be anything fancy, and I wouldn't be anything fast. I'd be something you could rely on. That's what I think I'd be. Excellent. Excellent. I love the thought you put into that. Very honest answer. Well, what up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kid spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install... Stay where you put them and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator. And you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 
722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Wookie, we are entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very, very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't buy cheap parts. (laughs) Yes, perfect. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your successes over the years? Oh, grind. Just grind. The grind. Keep going. Yeah. Be focused and keep going. It's all about the grind. Yep. Persistence and tenacity works all the time. Now, how about a resource? There are awesome resources out there. Obviously, the BBC Television Network is a great resource, but is there one that you're particularly fond of that's related to cars? Do you know what? It's a weird one. Talk to old people. Ah, yes. Because you forget they know all the hacks, all the, all the tricks, all the tips. They've done it all before. And I know that all the modern cars have got computers in. Yeah. But old people have the best stories. Go and talk to an old person, people, old people about their car history and about what it was like when they were doing it. And if you're 12, I know that 25-year-old is old, still <laughs> go and talk to them. And yeah. if you're 60, go and talk to an 80-year-old. But talk to old people. They'll, t- they'll give you stuff. You know, that's awesome advice. I go to lots of car shows, and coming up next month is, of course, Car Week in Pebble Beach, Monterey. I love going up and talking to people about their cars. That's where Cars Yeah came from, talking to people about their lives, their businesses, and their cars. About cars. Yeah, great advice. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that special person be? It's a weird one, but I, do you know what? I, I had a quick scan through your questions, and I, I think Harley Earl. Ooh, yeah. I know that sounds like a weird, a weird question, but... It was back when there were no constraints. And this is a guy that, again, had a fairly narrow focus and just went and did what he thought. Yep. And then he drove around in a load of his concept cars. So it's like, don't you just love that kind of attitude? He went out, thought of something, did it, and then actually, you know, proved his point by driving around them. Right. And I think that kind of attitude, and I'd love to know about the business back then as well, because there were no constraints. It felt like there were less constraints. Yes. Now, you have to design a car that's got protection, safety ratings. You've got to do all. You've got to help the marketeers. It's got to have certain spec. Back then, it was it was more dreamy. Oh, so yeah. any of those kind of 60s and 70s car designers, I think, I'd be well into talking to. But I'd get them drunk based on <laughs> proper secrets. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read recently you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well? <laughs> the thing is, I'm a huge consumer of books, um, but I read fantasy. So it's basically mermaids with swords, nipples, anything <laughs> that you would see painted on the side of a, a 70s van. You know, van, the vanning craze. Essentially, the books I read are like murals on the side of 70s vans. Anything to do, anything by Nick Harkaway. I would go away from the automotive industry and say anything to do by Nick Harkaway. There you go. He's a really good writer. I would say if you want to write about cars, if anybody out there wants to be an automotive journalist, 
don't just read about cars. Consume your media. Read everything. You know, get your input. Be like Johnny Five. You know, input, input, input. Get your influences broad and deep, and go for it. Ah, very, very good advice. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these awesome resources that Wookie shared with us today on his show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Tom a Wookie Ford into the search bar. His page will pop up with links to all these great things. All right, book, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any very cool collector car in the world. Doesn't matter what it costs because I'm getting out the big Cars yeah checkbook. So just think wild, think big, think broad, think something I can't break, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what would that vehicle be and why? Can I get two? There no, are two. you can't have two because, you know, the, 800, the 822 people before you only got to pick one. And I don't want my phone ringing off the hook when they hear this interview that I gave you two. So <laughs> you can tell me what those two are, but you got to narrow it down today to one. I've got to pick one. Yeah. Okay. There are two cars that have been in my that have always stuck in my head. The first one would be Porsche 911 that's been reimagined by Singer. Oh. Um, I was the first person to drive one after four years of badgering Rob and Maz, who are Singer essentially. Yeah. And the idea of ultimate bespoke. I'm not a massive 911 guy, but the idea of having the ultimate bespoke car that would be made for me that is my thing and every little detail rob's massively anal i think he's probably on all of the spectra yeah um but the way they make cars is really something special and each one is completely bespoke yeah and that really appeals to me also a 911 it's got back seats you can have it specced any way you like that really appeals to me they're small they're usable they're a lovely beautiful sports car not the fastest cars in the world but fast enough for me yeah the other one is and I think probably the one I choose right now, because I have a lot of children, three, is an Icon Bronco. And I think it harks back to the same thing, that you can have it bespoke. Jonathan Ward does beautiful work. And you can have it as bespoke as you like. And it, he once described his cars to me as they should be the kind of cars that you could put away wet. Yeah. And what he meant by that was that they were built right and you could abuse them. And the pattern that they got was part of their life. And those kind of cars that are not built to pass on in five years are the kind of things that appeal to me. You can go and buy a Veyron all you like, but you would eventually get bored of it. Yeah. I would like to take on cars that would become like a pet dog that you want to give to your kids. Yes. That's what appeals to me now. In my space is the, a, a car as an heirloom, not just a thing. So I think it'll be an icon bronco. Yeah, I, you picked two guys that have been guests here on the show. I, I had both Rob and Jonathan Ward. Jonathan was a very early guest. I think he was like my number seven guest. And I'm not really an off-road kind of car guy, but I, oh, I respect what he's doing. It's just absolutely spectacular. But uh, yeah, the, the singers, um, in fact, on my 300 of the show, my son Blake interviewed me, and that's the car I picked as my iconic dream <laughs> car. And, and I love the way you put it, like a pet dog. It's something that becomes part of you. And the fact that you – I love Porsches. They're my thing. 911s, they're my thing. But to have Rob build me one the way I would want it, oh, my gosh. That would be a dream come true. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Imagine how long it would take us to spec them. Imagine. <laughs> it would, it would, me and you would be there for weeks. 
Yeah, we would. And of course, with uh, Rob, his big quote is everything is important. So yeah, he's he makes he makes my anal retentiveness look uh, like a plaything. Uh, that guy's serious, serious stuff. Wow. Well, Wookie, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. I can't wait to see you on television July 30th. Please give us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off into the sunset or down that dirt road in that icon Bronco. Never give up, guys. <laughs> never, ever give up. There you go. That's all it takes. Believe in yourself and never give up. Absolutely. And what's the best way for my listeners to follow along with what you're doing? Well, the easiest way to get hold of me and uh, see what I'm doing is, is both Twitter and Instagram. They're the two things I tend to do, and it's just Tom Wookie Ford. It's dead easy. Uh, you will see very random pictures of a lot of things, and my adventures kind of around the world doing writing. So... Uh, yeah, Tom Walkie Ford on Twitter and Instagram. There you go. And if you go there, bring a fire extinguisher because you're probably going to need it. <laughs> Listeners, uh, you can find links to everything Wookie has been so kind to share today. Again, at CarsYad.com. Just type in Tom Wookie, W-O-O-K-I-E Ford, into that search bar and uh, check it out. And make sure you turn your TVs on July 30th to check out the new BBC Top Gear America show. I cannot wait. Hey, Wook, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your wonderful experiences with me and the listeners. I want to hang out with you more. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, You'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.